When I was little, I would have dreams that lights would come and tap at my window, and then they would tell me that I have the secrets to the universe. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you were the child that you were. (laughs) On this episode of Art of the Short Little Shorty, Jory reads you a story where the magical, weird, and the beautifully bizarre lay a foundation for a very unlikely friendship. Alien abductions, you ask? Magical powers? Let's just say this short story will leave you wondering, just where do we go when we die? We'd like to remind you that all episodes of Art of the Short contain explicit content and that a link to this week's short story will be provided in the show notes just for you. Art of the Short is an interactive literary art installation. Our little shorty episodes feature stories by you. Yes. We'll read a short story written by you. And, of course, we'll make art of our interpretations. Join the conversation and send us your artwork. We're going to add it to the gallery. To learn how, go to artoftheshort.com and follow the installation on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Art of the Short to see what others think of this short story through their art. Welcome to Spooky Spooky Month. Do you like candy corn? I love candy corn. Me too. But I like the real candy corn, like the one that's made of honey. It needs to be made with honey. Jinx, jinx, jinx. (laughs) You know what? I don't discriminate. I will eat the waxy, gross kind too. And I'll take that little white nib off, and then I'll take the orange, and then I pop the yellow in. So satisfying. (laughs) Hi, B. How do you feel about your art this week? Oh, you know, it was a bit of a departure. Oh, can you say more? I don't know. I feel like this is such a complex, rich story. Yeah. Full of so much imagery that I found really inspiring. Well, I don't know if that helped my art because there's so many places that I could have gone or could have done. Yes. I'll tell you how I feel. I feel like I maybe channeled something. (gasps) You're going to see this. And you're going to, I don't know, you're going to really inhabit an experience Ooh. that is described. Oh, shit. I, I shouldn't say more. I shouldn't shit, say more, shit, but shit. you're experiencing an element of the story. Ooh. <laughs> oh, damn. If you're serving what you have been serving, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. You set new standards for us. Okay, well... Speaking of serving <laughs> the art. Oh, she has a satisfied little smirk on her face, listener. I brought it. I brought it. <laughs> I brought it this week. And I'm really <laughs> so happy with it. It's okay to say you're proud of it. I'm proud. I'm proud yeah, of this. I can see that's what I can see on your face. <laughs> I can't wait to see. <laughs> you could go so many different directions. Really? No, I, so I don't know if you're joking, but I'm not joking. No, I am not joking. In <laughs> fact, I actually made another piece of artwork uh, that was supposed to go uh, into uh, the artwork that I oh, have. Okay. And I was like, too much. Ambitious. It's too much. Ambitious. You got to edit. Edit, edit, edit. Edit sometimes. That's right. Anyways, I'm fucking stoked for you to I see what I made. Wait. Okay, well, start reading me a story so I can see it already. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> This week's short story is by A.A. Delavine. She's a writer, a short story editor for Coffin Bell Journal, and you guys, she's just super cool. She's smart and interesting, reads cool books like she knows her shit. And to be frank, it's a bit intimidating. 
Like someone I would want to be friends with, but if we met in real life at a party or something, I would legit just hide behind a wall and like stare at her from afar. Like a real creep. Um, anyway, if you like what you hear and want to know more, go follow her socials at so Alex Goes. Featured on Taco Bell Quarterly, this is Vicky by A.A. Delavine. When I die, she'd written, I want to be buried in my blue silk dress. I bought the dress four days ago with J.C. Penny, and it is in my closet. I saved up for a long time to get it at my job. Also, I will be blonde. My upstairs neighbor Vicky died in her blue silk dress. Two sizes, too small. The back left unzipped. She'd bought the dress at age 16 when she first planned her death, using up an entire marble composition book to sort out the details. There had been no time to dye her hair, and so I bought Vicky a blonde wig, a short platinum bob with long bangs. It looked extra glossy beneath the fluorescent lights of the former dental office turned funeral home. The good people at Menendez and Sons laid her in a white coffin lined with white silk, and her lipstick was bright pink. She saved up the money for the funeral over many years, left in an envelope with my name on it. I had not known Vicky very well, but I knew her better than anyone else, and so the particulars of Vicky's death had fallen to me. I bought the wig, a pair of red high heels, and made sure the blue dress was free of stains or wrinkles. I checked off each item neatly and carefully until I'd reached the end of the list. I want, she'd written, to have my soul transferred into the body of my dog so that I may see what that is like. At the time of her death, Vicky had been in possession of two cocker spaniels, Arturo and Beatrice, who slept in a small canopy bed with pink satin drapes beside her futon. The two little dogs kept her company in her old age, trailing after her as she walked from her futon to her bathroom, to her hot plate, and back watching with their big, wet eyes as she painted reproductions of the alien abductions she claimed to have experienced throughout her life. She told me she had learned many things from the aliens in exchange for allowing them to use her for their experiments. She would sit me down in her apartment, setting down her room temperature cola and her paper plate of saltine crackers. She explained that she could make people fall in love with her by looking at them and repeating, in her mind, a series of sacred syllables she dare not share. She could also predict hurricanes, cause small objects to shake, and most importantly, she could transfer souls into new bodies. This was the hardest thing of all, she told me, even harder than making people fall in love. But... It could be learned, and you didn't even have to be abducted by aliens to do it. First, she said, someone has to die. I could feel myself growing tense as a saltine turned to cement in my mouth. 
What happens then is the soul unties itself from the living body. It lives not in the heart, not in the brain, but inside the right ear. I've seen it removed before and it looks like a pyramid. Very tiny. You'd think it'd be like a blob or a fluff, but mm -mm, no, it's very sharp and completely black. True black. Ink black, you know? I think, I remember saying, that I'd better pick up my dry cleaning before the place closes. I had been more scared for her than scared of her. Vicky seemed to age very quickly around that time, as if something inside her body had been trying to loosen itself from its confines, the soft parts growing brittle as the hard parts softened. Her hair was a tangle of different shades of gray, her eyes unfocused, constantly darting from faces to hands to walls, never settling on anything too long. She looked as if she felt something creeping up behind her at all times. She invited me up more and more often, always offering cola and saltines. The dogs watching the journey of saltine to plate, plate to hand, saltine to mouth. Vicky had lived in that same little apartment above mine for decades, and she always had two cocker spaniels. She would let their names come to her in dreams. Vicky always waited for signs before acting. It had been this way since the first encounter, when she was only nine years old. She would tell me about that first encounter many times showing me some of the many paintings she made corresponding to that moment. She lived in a red brick house with white columns. It was Christmas time, she remembered, because her mother had given her a snow globe and she sat it on the windowsill. Santa in a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses under a palm tree. The snow had followed Santa to the tropical island, falling down on him and the palm tree and a little tropical drink beside him. Her father had wrapped garlands around the long white columns at the front of their house and red and green and yellow and blue and orange string lights twinkled on and off all during the night, casting strange shadows through her bedroom window. She remembered looking at that red and green and yellow and blue and orange light show playing across her bedroom wall when, unexpectedly, a different color appeared. It was like a silver and like green and a little bit like purple. Skirple, Vicky called it. It was a color that is hard to explain and even harder to paint. Vicky had spent 60 years trying. Out of the light, she would tell you, a thing emerged. It was air and fire and water. It was hard to explain. It was a male thing and a female thing and an old thing, ancient even, and a thing not yet fully born. It had been around at the creation of the oceans. It had not yet seen daylight. It spoke without words. And it told nine-year-old Vicky, shivering beneath her yellow blanket that her grandmother had made 
a blanket now awash in this new, inexplicable color, that it loved her very much. Vicky had cried, and recounting the story, she would cry again. It was a very moving moment. After that, Vicky felt warm, and then cold, and then for a period of between two minutes and a hundred thousand years, she felt nothing at all. Suspended in non-color, no body, and no mind. And when the thing had gone, she felt along the knit blanket with her hands and watched as the wall turned red and green and yellow and blue and orange once again. She had not heard the snow globe fall onto the carpet and would not notice its long, jagged crack until morning. The snow in a dry clump on Santa's tropical island getaway. She was scared of the thing and what happened, of course, but she knew, too, that she would see it again. And this she longed for. It cast a shadow across her childhood and then her teen years, then adulthood. She kept trying to draw the thing, to find the color. She kept trying to pin it down with words, to make it simpler, to make it fit into a sentence. She began to wonder if she dreamed it. But then, she discovered that the encounter had left her with powers, special powers over love, and then over life itself. She would ask me if I believed her, and I would tell her that I did. I would leave when she would tell me she had to rearrange her snow globes. I looked down at the list again, thinking about the things Vicky had left me to sort. There were other funerals going on, large families clasping hands and clothes that needed ironing, standing around the Menendez and Sons funeral home red-eyed. When you're mourning, you're allowed to stare at people because you're untethered, briefly, from the world of the living, and floating right at the veil. People will forgive you for small acts of unkindness, like staring or leaving a party without saying goodbye. and. So I stared at the mourning families, categorizing the different ways grief plays with people. The howlers, the snifflers, and the gigglers, all of them mortified at what their bodies were doing. I wish that I could be more dramatic. It might feel good to howl and throw myself on a casket, clutching at the corpse, asking why and getting no answer. But you have to be either very ugly or very beautiful to get away with something like that, though. And I'm in between. Instead, I was a planner. Now I had only one part of the plan left to finish. I looked down at my dead neighbor inside her silky casket. She did not look at peace. She did not look like anything. Her face was an approximation of a face wires and cotton holding things together that wanted to fall apart. Something in Vicky's platinum wig caught my eye, dark against the glossy white. There, just outside my dead neighbor's right ear, was something small and black. I plucked it carefully, making it look like I was stroking the dead woman's hair, a normal thing I was sure some grieving people did. 
I apologize to Vicky's body for making us look ridiculous, even if Vicky was empty now. It was like apologizing to a sweater for spilling red wine all over it, or a car for hitting it with a shopping cart. Unnecessary, maybe. But this world is so mysterious, and you never know. I placed the little black pyramid in my purse. I didn't have to hide it. There was no one else there for Vicky that day. She never married and had no friends. Her parents had died. There are Christmas lights in a landfill somewhere, maybe. Her cousins and former classmates and old coworkers were all dead or too busy with jobs as dental hygienists and real estate agents. It wasn't sad or good or bad or happy. It just was. Back home in my apartment, Vicky's two dogs seemed disappointed to see me. I placed one of Vicky's paintings by the food and water bowls, a 20 by 24 inch acrylic nightmare of tubes and gray alien faces hovering around a wild haired woman on all fours to help them feel at home. I studied Arturo and Beatrice, their teardrop eyes studying my face in return. Which one would make a better home? Arturo took heartworm medication. Beatrice had a bad hip and sometimes whistled when the air got too hot. I decided Arturo would be the better choice because he had a slightly worse attitude and because it might feel freeing to lift a leg instead of squatting on the sawdust around my apartment complex. I took the little pyramid from my purse and covered it in peanut butter. Arturo ate the pyramid very quickly, and I wondered if souls were delicious. Beatrice grew jealous, nudging my leg with her head, so I gave her a spoonful of peanut butter. She looked at me as if she knew she were missing out. I stood back and waited to see if anything about Arturo had changed. I noticed that I was hungry. I should order something, real food, instead of eating the rest of the peanut butter off the edge of the knife. Arturo farted softly. He seems the same as always. I watched Arturo carefully as we drove to a nearby drive-thru. A Crunchwrap Supreme, a Cheesy Gordita Crunch, Baja Blast, Cheesy Fiesta Potatoes to really get the party going. The only noticeable change came when we sat down to eat, side by side at the coffee table, and Beatrice begged for scraps while Arturo did not. Perhaps the soul is hard on the stomach. I felt bad watching Arturo slink over to his doggy bed. What was Vicky kicking out on her way into this new home? And then I thought more about it. Vicky had been a sick woman, but harmless, spending her days painting alien abductions and carefully duct-taping fresh tinfoil on her windows and beneath her doors. She had her groceries delivered to her apartment door, brought her garbage down the chute, down the hall, and never further. When the dogs needed a vet, she'd call me. She never went to the doctor herself, never went out for manicures or haircuts. She just kept to herself, paying her bills and filing her taxes. A good citizen and a quiet neighbor waiting for the next abduction. The lights on the wall, the colors that blended and screamed. But she was surely not well. And now she had asked me to feed something to a small creature with sad eyes and watch to see if anything changed. I took a bite of my crunch wrap and read my fire sauce packet. 
Will you marry me? It asked. I thought about a world where souls were placed in tigers and pigs, gerbils and human babies, old souls passed on to new bodies. A conspiracy of second and third chances, a secret other world where life could continue. I glanced at Arturo and he licked his paw. That night, fire sauce clawing at my intestines, I stared up at the snow globes Vicky had left me. The New York City skyline, a fairy tale castle, Big Ben, a little family celebrating a blizzard at the beach. Greetings from Toronto. Wish you were here. I thought about how Vicky had been so alone above me, trapped inside a dream of another world, trying to make people fall in love with her, trying to predict hurricanes. I thought about Vicky's body in the quiet earth, wearing her blue dress. That night, I dreamed of running through grass, the blades scratching at my face, chasing insects across a wide, wide lawn, their little bodies hiding in the dirt before I could catch them. I rolled onto my back, the sun warm on my belly. Above me, the sky was so blue and round, a glass globe holding the whole world. And then, a scratching at my door. Beatrice and Arturo, crying in the dark. I opened the door and let the dogs onto the mattress, carefully, hoping their paws wouldn't puncture a hole and leave me sleeping on a slip of nylon. Beatrice settled in between my knees, and Arturo, his large eyes, heavy with sleep, placed his head on my chest and dreamed. Art of the short, art of the short. Oh my god, I've been waiting for this moment. Art of the motherfucking short. I get to see your art, I get to see your art, I get to see your art, I get to see your art. I think I can't wait. Are we just jumping in? I'm gonna go. I'm jumping. Ah, You usually do this to me. Okay, I know. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) dear God. How do you feel? Uh, (laughs) How does this art piece make you feel? The blonde (laughs) wig of it all is all. I can't take my eyes off of like a cheap blonde wig. Well done, Jory. (laughs) (laughs) Is this colored pencils? It is colored pencils, baby. Wow, Jory. Look at that shading on those eyeballs, huh? (laughs) Look at that little highlight on the nose. (laughs) My goodness gracious. And look at the little baby eyeballs. (laughs) There's a lot to take in, in my defense. It's a lot. It's a lot. I told you I brought it. <laughs> I am serving art tonight. This looks like it should be like in the British Museum because, okay, I still haven't told you what I'm looking <laughs> That's at. That's a bit of a stretch. It's, but it's okay, a but here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. It's like a portrait. Yes. This looks like you should put a gold oval frame and hang it in the museum because <laughs> it's like two figures posed for a portrait. Mm-hmm. And then it looks kind of like oil painting, even though when you look closer, you can see like the sketches of like more like yeah, a pencil. It's definitely But a the pencil. illusion at first, because of the incredible depth that Joy put in and shading, <laughs> does give the, the illusion of oil paints, frankly. <laughs> I still just can't even bring myself to say what I'm looking at. Do you know what you're looking at? Yes. The okay. first, the the, the taller figure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
so like worked up. The tall figure in the background has a little figure in their lap. These figures I'm now prepared to share are the dogs, <laughs> yeah. Arturo and Beatrice. Yes. And Arturo is a tall, straight-backed, light-colored dog. And the dog is wearing a blonde wig and yeah. the blue dress. Yes. Which I can kind of tell is not fitting. Like, it's kind of stretching over her shoulders. Like, it doesn't quite fit properly. For sure. And then in her lap, the way, like, a mother would hold a child is Beatrice, the other little dog. And she's just, like, a cute brown dog with a little green bow. It says her name. <laughs> but, again, Arturo looks like a human woman. Yeah. It's hard to describe unless you actually see it, I think. She's sitting against a really um, graphic wallpaper. So again, it looks very like Victorian, very romantic, very like sitting for a portrait. Yeah. Okay, what's the meaning of the wallpaper though? This is Vicky post-soul transition. I love it. But I, you know, this is my interpretation. So she has a human body still with her dress and she's got a bright pink lip. Yep. Yeah. And she's a dog. So she's got a dog head. Also, she's a dog. <laughs> And then she's holding Beatrice because, of course, <laughs> the background is actually wrapping paper that I have. Mm. And I scanned it and then, like, photoshopped the background in. I love it. Just because I wanted her to have, like, a psychic vibe because the story talks about her having, like, magical powers. and Yeah, very psychic vibe. I wanted to honor that. And I wanted it to be, like, dignified still. I didn't want to, yes. like, make her look like she was a freak. No. I wanted to believe her story. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to look at Bethany's art It actually kind of compliments yours a little bit. <laughs> Bethany sent me a video, mm -hmm. and it's like these gorgeous, like kind of cloudy-looking mm -hmm. greens mm -hmm. and purples, but then there's like, I guess old TV screens where the lines come through, like the VHS tapes where you have to clean them. Like a tube TV. That's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, okay. This is wonderful. So the line in the story that says the color that she can't describe and it's like purple, silver, green. She keeps trying to paint it. She spends her whole life trying to paint the it. 60 years of her life trying to figure it out. Bethany created it. I did. And it's kind of like a tie-dye. It's everything she describes. And then it says Scorple. Scorple. <laughs> I attempted the same thing that she did. I attempted the same art that she spent her life attempting. Yes. And guess what? It was challenging. Also, it's a very kind of 90s. I like it. Like, it's got like a Taco Bell vibe. It has Taco Bell vibe. It's got a Taco Bell vibe, right? It's supposed to give you kind of like X-Files vibes. A hundred percent. But you feel like you're going to get abducted even though you don't know. Like something is interfering with your system. Abort, <laughs> abort. Something is going to happen. <laughs> totally. They definitely feel like they come from the same world. Like she's watching that on her TV. Yes, very much. Ooh, maybe we should make like a little like... <laughs> Diorama. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I mean, it's so like creative yeah. and realized. Like, you never feel as a reader like you're being taken down a road that this person can't guide you through. Like, yeah, the concepts are pretty wild and like the characters are pretty wild and the conceit from the start of like a wig and a dead body. Yeah. In a lesser writer's hands, you could be like, okay, like, where <laughs> are we are going we, with this? What are we doing here? Yeah. But like, I never felt that way for a second. <laughs> I felt completely like swept into the story, yeah. never thought about the writer again in a good way where I was just like, oh no, I'm in this story. Like as if you're like watching a movie, which is kind of the best, yeah. best experience you can have, I think. Yeah. I've like absolutely like established a girl <laughs> crush on her and she's like so intimidating and <laughs> I love the freaky and the weird and the 
(laughs) beautifully bizarre things. Mm -hmm. And I think at first glance, you might read this like that, like that kind of story. But I think that there's like a really beautiful message of like human connection in Mm -hmm. this story. I think so. There are those moments in your life where like a bizarre turn of events happens or you meet someone on the street that needs help Mm -hmm. at the end of it, even though it was like this kind of random, random, unlikely of scenarios, you're really happy that you were there for that stranger basically. And Mm -hmm. it leaves you feeling good about yourself. And then, (laughs) I mean, in this story, she ends up with two dogs, which is like, who, what greater scenario is that? Win, 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 win. Win, 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 I just rolled with it so much that I truly didn't think about any of the supernatural things. I was like, oh, I guess she does put the soul of a dead body yeah. into a peanut butter dog treat. Into a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it is ultimately very sweet. Yeah. And about human connection, I think. Yeah. And animal pet connection. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I did draw dogs. You sure did. A family if of If you dogs. give me a chance to draw dicks or dogs, I draw... Dicks or dogs, dicks or dogs. <laughs> dicks or dogs. That's a t-shirt. Old drawery dicks or dogs. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> dicks or dogs, dicks or dogs. <laughs> well, AJ Levine, thank you so much. Thank you so much. For sharing this with us. Like, we were delighted. We were thrilled. If you listen to this, you know I have a crush on you. And this is like <laughs> first season where Bethany's talking about Nick Rossi. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah, it's your crush I'm season. like too embarrassed to even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, crush worthy. Crush worthy. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> Trick or treat. <laughs> On the next episode of Art of the Short, we'll be reading Sister Godzilla by Louise Erdrich. As always, a free link to this short story is in our show notes for you. And we would love to see your art and hearing your thoughts on this short story. Do you have any alien abduction stories? (laughs) Is your soul still in your body? (laughs) My soul leaves my body sometimes, I think. Anyways, (laughs) please join the conversation and send us your artwork to add to the gallery. And to learn how, go to artoftheshort.com and follow the installation on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter (laughs) at Art of the Short. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Oh my god, I'm afraid I'm gonna get abducted by aliens tonight. Hey, aliens, please don't. I'm not, not making tonight, fun of you, please. just not tonight. Please don't implant me. Everything's cool. I'm just telling a story. <laughs>